Oh, let's do it. Blog Talk Radio. Back at it again. can finally play the game. Um, so that that's my takeaway. And the one 
crazy thing, uh, just a, a small rant because I want to leave a lot of time for our draft. Why in God's name would you have those crazy rules for the first and, and third quarters that I don't know if you guys watched it. If you have the ball and you don't score at the end of the first and third quarter, you basically turn the ball over on downs wherever you are on the field. And that happened to the North team. They were on the one-yard line and couldn't get it in, and then went to the end of the fourth quarter, and the, and the South got the ball to start the fourth quarter. That, that to me, was just insane. Yeah, none of that makes much sense. It's kind of like uh, the Pro Bowl where they actually had a touch rule where uh, – I forget who it was, busted something like a 25, 26-yard run up the gut for a touchdown, and they called it back because he got touched. Yeah, it, it, was, um, yeah, it was Michael Bennett, which was the craziest thing. Yeah. It, oh, that's right. That's program. right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Richard Sherman started. running the ball, Yeah, uh, trying to RKO J.J. Watt. I mean, can we just do away with that game, please, or just, you know, just pick the backups from every team and let them start a game? Because that, no, that's off. Yeah, it is. They should just name the team, give them a bonus, so they can go to Hawaii on their own time and call it a day. Just, just, just let it go. Just let it go. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are a National Signing Day, and of course, being uh, representatives or fans of two powerhouse college football teams, this is uh, a very big day for us as well. And imagine that: Ohio State number five and Georgia number seven. I'll let you riff on your uh, Georgia teams. I know you had a good start to the day, and then it kind of waned here towards the end of the afternoon. Had a fantastic start to the day. It looked like Kirby Smart may end up being the first first-year head coach of a Power 5 program to end up with the top five recruiting class. I mean, you opened the day, and before anybody even knew about it, you had Nicole Hardman, the number one athlete in the country, uh, out of uh, Elbert County, who we covered, by the way, on Friday Night Football. He ended mm-hmm. up um, recruiting. He ended up uh, declaring for Georgia. Uh, he did it a little bit weird, had cakes of all his schools, didn't include Georgia, but then ran in through a banner wearing Georgia jerseys, uh, wearing number four, yeah. uh, trying to take after Champ Bailey. Uh, so that will be that was a great one. Uh, Chauncey Manick, fantastic, fantastic defensive end. Um, about 6'3", about 250, 255, runs a 4'6", uh, power clean's 350, so he should be strong at the point of attack. You'll probably see him contribute as a freshman. Uh, but it was all about stealing Bama's recruits. McCole Hardman was one they thought was going to go to Bama. He stole Mikhail Carter, who was another just shocking commit. Uh, nobody really knew that Georgia was even in his top three. And he, Alabama was really, really counting on this kid. Uh, 6'4", 3'02". Uh, pair him along with uh, Tyler Clark, who declared earlier out of Sumter. Uh, we got Javon Wims, uh, number one Juco wideout, uh, number four wide receiver in, available in this. And he was that big target Georgia needed, 6'4", 215. Also sold Tyler Simmons, uh, another Bama product who Saban was reportedly furious when he found out that Kirby had stolen Simmons. He's a little slight. He's more of a slot guy, 5'11", 195-ish. Um, so Georgia picked up three receivers in this in this signing class already, which is good because that was a huge position of need. And a lot of defensive lines, especially when you pair that with who's already there and who they've already signed in, uh, the receiver class now, they've got Calvin Ridley, um, Calvin Ridley from Alabama's little brother, 6'1", six, 6'2"-ish, um, round 200 pounds. Um, Julian Rochester, the defensive tackle from McEachern, who's just a monster, 6'5", 321, is going to be a freshman. Number one tight end, Isaac Nowd is already an early enrollee, along with Eason. Um, ben Cleveland, um, number nine line offensive lineman, 
in this draft. <laughs> just just a deep it was a good signing class until you hit about two o'clock. And uh EJ Price, who was expected to declare to Georgia, ended up shocking everybody and going to USC. Derek Brown picked Auburn and that was a heartbreak because Georgia had come storming back in there and become the favorite. Um it was like an eighty five percent that he was gonna go to Georgia according to uh rivals dot com. And then uh you still have Jaleel Laggins, who's a hard commit but hasn't announced yet. Uh, he's supposed to announce either Friday or next week at some point. So Georgia has to get Laggins, or they're going to drop out of the top ten in this recruiting class. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's good stuff. Yeah, but that, that's still really impressed with Kirby Smart able to hold it together. And also, like you said, still those recruits from Alabama, um, you know, but I'm sure he was part of that recruiting process there as well. So he's got some uh, inside information. But um, the pizza, you know, outside of Ohio State, um, you know, getting Nick Bosa, of course, um, and then getting Malik Barrow, uh, who's already enrolled defensive tackle. But they also picked up a couple uh, cornerbacks, and, you know, we've lost a lot of our secondary and Powell and Von Bell and uh, Eli Apple to the, to the NFL. So he did a good job of recruiting some three and four stars in there that can maybe take that step uh, and fill in some of those gaps. So I was – I was happy until about one ten when Rashawn Gary, Rashawn Gary. Uh, decided to go to Michigan. So you know when you got a top five class, like I told you before, with your arch rival gets the top you know six, and they get the number one overall pick when all the craziness with Derek Jeter and Rick Flair and whatnot. Um, that that kind of put a, a damper on it. Yeah, I mean that's that's hard to deal with, and now you can't do anything like that because you're going to be accused of copying. So I mean I, you got to give them credit for the foolishness. Um, but Florida State, you know, coming up uh, here, and some of these rankings, they're number one, uh, with, uh, closing very well today. And Texas starting out at 32 and moving up to 10. Um, that's very they important. Stole, strong. Say they stole three five-stars who weren't expected to go to Texas. Yeah, and but I have re- been reading stories about how Charlie really had uh, established a good connection uh, with the high school coaches, and, he had, and they were really trying to get the players to go to Texas because uh, they thought he had his, uh, you know, the best interest in heart, so to speak. Uh, but he's starting to close that gap, and I think that was very important. It's got to translate to wins, but, you know, to move from 32 to 10 in the day is, is pretty good, you know. And to me, if you're the University of Texas, those kids grow up legacy wanting to wear the burnt orange. So yes. it, it, it shouldn't be that hard. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully for him, I'm pulling for him. I like Charlie Strong. I think he's the disciplinary that they needed to recover from Mac Brown. Um, and, of course, you know, Alabama, LSU, and, Again, I give my hats off to, to Ole Miss. And, uh, that guy, Hugh Freeze, is, is, is recruiting his tail off uh, to come in at number four. So maybe, you know, I have to give him more credit. Uh, maybe Surely on the back bar. of Gregory Little. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> you know, if you can tell us you keep doing that, and like we talked about with Treadwell and Adiche, um and Tunsil, you're going to get three first-round picks. That, that can't hurt. So uh, it's interesting to see if, you know, if – what Mississippi State can do because, you know, all Ole Miss and Mississippi State have been also ran for the most part. They come up, they come down. It looks like he was trying to keep, you know, Ole Miss on the upswing with the way he's recruiting. Uh, and with Mississippi State losing Dak Prescott, and I don't think they've really had a great day-to-day um, recruiting. No, I wonder they actually how lost out on a big linebacker. They lost out on their, their number one guy on their board. It was a linebacker uh, who only lived about 10 miles from Mississippi State's campus. And uh, – he ended up leaving because he felt that they didn't recruit him hard enough after he hard committed. Uh, you know how 17-year-olds are these days. Uh, if you yeah, don't right. make it all about them every week, they decide they want to leave. And uh, I believe Alabama stole him, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Bama or uh might have been Ole Miss. 
Yeah, I was gonna say probably stay in that which is further, you know, digs a knife in the back of you know, if if, I, if you tell me you're a hard commit to me and you live 10 minutes away, I, it's what you said. You know, the short attention span, oh, it's not about me anymore. Well, I'll show you. So uh, that's part of the reason why, I, I, you know, I kid. I don't. Should that today. last visit is so important. It's very it's very important. Uh, but, you know, they try to outdo each other so much. You know, I just – I prefer the – like you talk about the dog with, oh, with, with Georgia. I can deal with that. If that's going to be as far as you take it. But, you know, just come out, pick a hat, fax in a letter. You know, go back to school, go to the weight room, and let, let's see you in, in, in spring ball. All this jumping out of planes and other foolishness. No, I don't begrudge you having a little bit of a show, having people there with you. And that's nice because it's a, it's a big accomplishment, not just for the player, but for the family as well, who's, you yeah. know, if you ever played football growing up, it's a huge commitment, especially at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you get to that level in a sport, it's you've committed at least 10 years, 10, 12 years of nothing but that. So I understand that part of it. I agree with you. I'm more on just to just come in wearing a hat, sit at the table with your family, announce right. who you're going to, and just enjoy the day with your family. Exactly. That, that, that's that's the point. Yes. Everything else, all the stuff, and you know, I got swag and all the other stuff. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I just. It's the same way that I don't understand Camden's pants. You know, and kids <laughs> like, oh, what's wrong with that? You know, it's just Versace, just, Versace, just, Versace. Yeah, I, that dude there. You know those it's, things were probably thousand dollars too. They were a thousand dollars, but even by those in the men's department, come on, man, those are <laughs> leggings. Those are leggings. That's what they are. They're leggings. They don't have a cuff. You know, their skin tight. Those are called leggings. Let's call them what they are. They're leggings. So enough of that foolishness. We have a treat for everybody here, especially if you are a Bengals or a Falcons fan. We are going to do a mock draft for both Cincinnati and Atlanta through the first seven, for the first seven rounds. I don't think they've come out with the uh, compensatory picks yet, have they, About uh, for each no, round? I'm sure. Not yet. Okay, I didn't think so. I that won't happen until free agency gets rolling. Because that's all, okay. that's all right. dependent on who yeah. signs where in free agency. Yeah, but I thought it was from the previous year that you get in this draft where they give you for this one, and then it rolls over to the next year based off the value of what the person did that following season. But I just don't think they've announced yeah, that will be. Probably another, probably another three weeks, probably a couple weeks after the Super Bowl. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, you are on the clock, sir, uh, with Atlanta since you will be uh, picking before me. And what we're going to do is he's going to pick his in the first round, and I pick mine. We'll probably have a little uh, go-between um, and, and do little it there. Robin. And hopefully, exactly. And hopefully the lady won't cut us off and tell us, thank you for using blog talk <laughs> so, we can, uh, so we can get everything in. So without further ado, sir, I will give it to you. All right. Kicking it off at 17, like my partner said. Uh, Atlanta Falcons picking 17 after an 8-8 eight and eight year. By the way, if you want some more draft details on Falcon stuff, you can always join in on my own personal blog, my own personal show. That's uh, first and short, Thursdays at uh, 2.30, 3.30. You know, just tune in. Uh, anyway. Uh, Shameless plug. First. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got first for the Falcons. My my original hope, and I'm going to say this is a hope because they're probably not going to do it. They're not smart. But I'm going to hope they wise up with between six GMs and Dan Quinn. And um, I think they should <laughs> trade back. I don't think at 17, unless Noah Spence is on the board. If Noah Spence is on the board, he's your pick at 17. If he's not on the board, if he's worked his way up to around that 13, then I think you trade back. And I think your team, lo and behold, is the team that it would happen with the most. And I'll explain why in a second. Uh, I think if you trade back with Cincinnati, you can pick up a third 
Um, the 17th pick's not going to be worth another second round. There's not any superstar, really, that's going to be worth giving up another second-round pick. And um, if you move back, they'll be moving back to 24. And I believe you take your pick between a, a cornerback or a tight end. And I think you either take – I would take McKenzie Alexander if it was up to me. He's got the moxie to run on the outside, a little tight in his hips, but he's, as you saw in the national championship, extremely, extremely smart, really ran that secondary when he was out. It tanked it. And um, if you want to go tight end, Hunter Henry should still be on the board. He is the unanimous number one. That's who you take. Yeah. Um, the thing about that is Marvin almost never moves up in the first round. He is, I guess, fancying himself for that Bill Belichick to not move back and pick up more picks and then try to get a quantity of quality there uh, kind of approach to it. So it would be nice to see him be aggressive, but I, I doubt that that happens. And um, I don't know if McKenzie, from what I've been reading, McKenzie Alexander has been going uh, in these mock drafts a lot higher than that. He and uh, Jalen Ramsey and uh, Hargrave. Um because for me, at Ohio State, I mean Ohio State, for the Bengals at 24, I say that with the caveat of you got Pac-Man Jones who's going to be a free agent. Both of our starting safeties are going to be a free agent. And old man River, Leon Hall, is going to be a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, you know, they were 10th in the league in sacks this year, so they don't have a glaring need off the edge. But I do like Kevin Dodd who, uh, and um, Ogba. I don't know if they're going to be there for him, but – and this is not a home really? mistake. Kevin Dodd. I, I do, but I don't know if you take him there uh, that high. Uh, but <laughs> given the, the, uncertainty, the uncertainty there in the in the secondary, they may want to look at, if, if one of those are there, they may want to look at Eli Apple because he's got some length and, and the size to come in. He's got to play Pittsburgh with that three wide receiver set twice a year, and you don't know if you can re-sign Pac-Man. And I wouldn't even try to re-sign Leon Hall, to be honest with you. Um, no loyalty to the hall monitor? No, 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 no. Plus, you know he's missing. I wasn't even with them drafting him in the first place. Uh, but with Drake or Patrick, he hasn't been that guy yet. I mean, he may get there, but they throw at him mostly. Um, and then Clarence uh, Bernard is coming off an injury. So, if you're looking at that, I think the drop-off, uh, even though we both like DeAndre Hall, I don't know if he's going to be there for you when you come back as a 55th pick in the second round. So, you may want to try to shore up. Uh, that corner spot, and uh, and we both know you like Sean Williams from uh, Georgia. We have in our uh, safety. You sign one of the other safeties, you pick a cornerback, and then you show up that secondary a little bit. The only reason I say that since he has at least an outside shot of moving up in this is to get Kim Dietschy because they are going to lose to Montepico and Brandon Thompson. Uh, and if they could pair Kim Dietschy on that, on that defensive line, we talked about Geno Atkins yeah. and with Carlos Dunlap, it won't be fair. It'd just be ridiculous. Um, second yeah, round, I've really yeah, got one target for my Reed second did. round. Oh, great. Uh, second round, Jeremy Cash. You need you need two safeties ideally, um, but you got to get Willie Mo out of there at the at the very least. He cannot cover. He can't hit in this new type of tackling that the NFL wants you to do. All he does is head hunt. Uh, he's hurt all the time. Jeremy Cash is that monster hitter, uh, just an all around good playmaker. He's not great. Great in coverage. He reminds you a lot of Cam Chancellor. Uh, he's about 230 pounds. He's not blazingly fast, but he's fast enough to drop back and play just a little bit of zone. Falcons aren't going to ask him to play man coverage. Jeremy Cash, perfect pick. My favorite safety in this draft this year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I know you, you've you been real high on him. Um, I'm going to throw you a curveball here, uh, only because the, the, the Bengals have had the, I believe they've graded out to the 
eighth best offensive line this past year, but they have a glaring hole at center uh, and Russell Bodine. Um, and uh, Ryan Kelly from Alabama, and if you know anything about Marvin Lewis, he really? loves the SEC. He loves the SEC. I don't think he's going to be there. I don't think he's going to be there, honestly. Um, so I'm really? between him. Yeah, we need a center. Our center is You think bad. Kelly will be there in the second? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I pick 55, he may not be there. They've got him rated at around between 36 and 40 in some of the sites I've seen. He may not be there at pick 55. So he could be, but if not, um, we need to upgrade also at linebacker. You're going to lose perfect for three games for the suspension. Ray Maliuga, it looks like he's running in quicksand. And then <clears throat> Curry and Lamore are basically just special teams guys that they're throwing in there. And then you, got, you went and got A.J. Hawk from, from Green Bay. That's not a linebacking core that's going to, outside of perfect, going to scare you. Uh, so they could go and, and get Kentrell Brothers inside linebacker from Missouri, and I wouldn't be opposed to that as well. Um, Again, great pick. And let him, take, let him take over that middle, and you can slide, you know, you can kind of do a little bit of difference with them, him and Burford when he gets back. But I think they have to address that linebacker position if they don't want to go spend crazy money on, say, like a Derek Johnson and others in free agency. That'd be a great pick. Brothers could play inside or outside in phenomenal exactly. pick, and he he's flying under the radar a little bit until you pop in his tape and just see how instinctive he is and realize his floor is a more athletic James Laurinaitis, your boy from Ohio State. It, exactly. I've been doing my homework. I'm trying. <laughs> third round. Third round's where things get a little bit tricky. The Falcons only have five picks unless they do what I advise and trade back uh, and pick up another third, in which case, depending on where your pick will be in the third, uh, if Darian Thompson is on the board, where it's it's iffy if he's going to be on the board. Most things I've seen is he's going second to third. If he's on the board, you snatch Darian Thompson up in a heartbeat. I don't care if you only have one or two. He can play free safety in this. Again, fantastic playmaker. Picks all over the board. Plays a great, great, great center field. And for being small, he, he'll throw his head in there, and he's got good form tackling. Now, with your second pick, or if Darian Thompson is gone, you got to go Cody White here out of Kansas State. Um, best guard in this class outside of Adal Alexander, really fits the Falcons' zone blocking scheme. He's quick, he's agile for alignment, of course. Um, the only knock on him that keeps him out of the first round is he doesn't have the best functional strength. But in a zone scheme, you don't care about the functional strength as much as you care about the technique and the quickness. So he would be absolutely perfect in this Falcons system. Good call. Good call. Uh, for the Bengals, the third pick, 87. Again, I think this gets to be a – and this will probably be the one as we move forward that I probably will uh, waver on the most uh, because <clears throat> we lose, we're probably going to lose uh, Marvin Jones because somebody's going to overpay, and I think that person may be Hugh Jackson bringing him up to Cleveland. And then, you again, you got uh, Detroit losing Megatron, and he's never close to Megatron, don't get me wrong. But I think you're going to have a lot more thirsty teams out there looking for a wide receiver and – He's never going to be more than the third option, if they, especially if they re-sign Eifert behind A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert. So I don't know if the Bengals will invest a third-round pick in um, a wide receiver, given that you're bringing him in basically to be your third option. And then you also have Gio, who is going to catch a lot out of, that, out of the backfield as well. Uh, so I've been mean, looking at the boards. I know Farrell Cooper from South Carolina is floating out there, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll do that. Um, but I've been reading up on Deion Jones, outside linebacker from LSU. And mm-hmm. if you put him with Kentrell Brothers and Vontez Perfect, I think you now have a much younger, faster, meaner uh, 4-3 linebacker crew. 
and you can let those dudes just run wild. And you have both of those guys in the same draft, um, you know, on the same contract scale. So you don't have to worry about, you know, maybe Vontaze, but he just started, I think, uh, first year into his extension. So you, you've got your set, your, your linebacker crew set, and that's where I would go. I would go with Deion Jones and pairing with Brothers and Burphy. And Deion Jones can make any play on the field. He is one of the fastest linebackers you'll ever see. Uh, uh, Fourth-round pick, I did make him a little mistake here. I forgot to mention somebody. Uh, my fourth-round pick, third-round pick, if he's there, uh, Javon Hargrave, depending on what you're hearing in the rumors, mm. if you can get him in the fourth round, you take him in the fourth round. He's the defensive tackle out of South Carolina State, and he mm. is one of the top defensive linemen overall in this entire draft class. Great first-step quickness, hits hard with those hands at the point of attack. He can anchor down low. He's not too heavy. Uh, he's actually a tad undersized, which what may drop him. He's only about 295. But splits gaps, had 13.5 tackles for loss and 11.5 sacks as defensive tackle. It was lower uh, It was lower tier, but this was the biggest senior bowl snub. This is a kid that, if he's there in the fourth, and he may be. I've seen it's about 50-50 on mocks where he's either in the fourth or if he's in the third. I'd take him in the third if he's there. Uh, if he's in the fourth, mm. I'm scooping him up in a heartbeat. If if not, and you don't take a tight end of the first, I think you could take Jake McGee, the tight end out of Florida, and I think you'd be all right. He's one of those in the mold of what you need. He's more of a pass catcher. Uh, not a He's a decent blocker, uh, but not overwhelmingly powerful. He started his career out of Virginia, and then he went to Florida. Um, he just has a knack for making contested plays and running really defined routes for a young tight end. And I, I think that's a good cheap option that you could fit and put right in there behind Jacob Tammy. Um, and you should get rid of Levine Toilolo. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, you know, South Carolina State, he's always going to fly on the radar. He's going to have to do above and beyond to prove that, you know, he belongs. Uh, staying in the fourth round at uh, pick 123, um, I'm leaning more in the second round I'm taking brothers. So in the fourth round, I would take Austin Blythe, the center from Iowa, who actually was rated out uh, as the top center, I believe, but the second behind um, <clears throat> the guy from uh, Kelly from Alabama. They they need to fix that piece. They last year they went and got the two tackles, knowing that um, they're going to probably lose and should lose Andre Smith uh, to compete for that spot. And then they re up Whitworth, but he, Whitworth is, is getting over there. So you know you're remaking that offensive line, um, and your center's position has graded out is what's keeping you from being a much higher echelon offensive line. Uh, I would look for them to do that. Um, and then our that's that's that would be my take. Honestly, I don't nobody else. Please take a center. Help improve that run game so you can get Jeremy Hill back to being who Jeremy Hill was his rookie year. I think you're going to have to do that also to take that pressure off of uh, Andy Dalton, especially if you're going to lose Marvin Jones. You could probably re-sign Muhammad Sanu for a decent amount of money, but you're probably going to lose Marvin Jones. So let's get back to running the ball and then play action to Green and, and Eifert, and that, that starts with the center. Next two picks are, your, are yours as well. Falcons don't have a fifth or sixth thanks to Noisegate and trading for Andy Levitri. Uh, oh. You can kind of sense the frustration oozing out of me over Thomas yeah, Dimitrov. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a little palpable yeah. right now. <laughs> so in the fifth round, um, he's a little undersized, and I'm surprised that he was been floating in the fourth and fifth round. I've been seeing, but Cyrus Jones from Alabama, um, he's shorter, but he's tenacious, and he's an excellent return guy, and he may be your error parent if you decide to follow that route to to, to Pac-Man. Um, and I think this may change just depending on, as we get closer to the draft, um, how they go about shuffling, who they sign and who, uh, and who they let go 
um, in, in that secondary, or another option on the defensive line just to get a little younger if they don't hit that in the first round and end up going with the quarterback. Um, Matt Ioannidis, I think is how you say it, the defensive tackle from Temple, I watched him in that pro in that senior bowl, and he flashed a lot too. And that's what I was getting at when we talked about earlier is that there's a lot of depth and talent in this draft on the defensive line, and I think he's not going to be a superstar. But, you know, if you put him in a rotation uh, with Geno and everybody else, <clears throat> I think he could be a difference maker. Um, and the real, quick, round, real quick, before you move ahead, on, real sure. quick. Yep. Um, yeah. What was that first pick you were saying again? Cyrus Jones? Yeah, I'm sorry. What I meant to say about Cyrus is the reason why he'll be able to be kind of that later round pick is because he's basically going to be a slot corner in the NFL. He's not really going to be on the outside. He's not quite big enough uh, right. or strong enough in the press. So, But definitely you could see him play a Brandon Boykin role. And Brandon Boykin is the number one slot corner in the game. That was the thing that drove me crazy about Pittsburgh is they wouldn't play him. And lo and behold, right. when they finally put him in with five games less in the, left in the season, what do you know? Your secondary goes from being one of the worst to being one of the top ten. Exactly. And the thing about it we talked about is Leon Hall basically has just become the slot corner for us. So if you say goodbye, old man River, and bring in Cyrus uh, to, to play that spot, um, <clears throat> and then, you know, from what I talked about earlier, Apple, and then you let Apple, Denard, and um, Kirkpatrick kind of battle out for those top three cornerback spots. And, you know, I love Sean Williams. He's a thumper. Um, and you keep – I would let Nelson probably go and sign Aoka. Now he's got a nice young secondary, right? Um and everybody's running that three wide receiver set. So I, I think that's a, a, a good flow for them. Uh, in the sixth round, uh, I think you kind of, you know, here and there. How about Denzel uh, and Gitche, uh from Ole Miss? That might be a flyer. I might take an a, a interest mm. on uh, In the sixth round, why not? Who else are you going to get in the sixth round? He's going to be a guy you, know, this is... you don't have to draft. You can sign him outside mm-hmm. of the draft. There ain't no way he's getting drafted. I don't know. Well, maybe the boards I already have him about the sixth or seventh round. They don't have him as undrafted. Um, so, or um, I see. Uh, I don't know if we uh, really paid him much attention. But what I'm reading is that he's got a lot of upside, but they got to you know get his motor going, which always scares me a little bit. But we're in the sixth round. Is uh, DJ Reader, defensive end from Clemson as well. Um, I'm Ooh. trying to store up my my defense and Sneaky if I remake pick. my yeah. If I, I'm remaking my Clemson line. Absolutely. Remaking the linebacking core, remaking the secondary, and just trying to add some younger talent around, you know, Gilberry and Peckle's going to be gone and Thompson, you know, putting in some, some, some younger, fresher guys on that, on that defensive line. So I'll throw it to you now for the seventh-round pick. All right. Now after waiting two days, Falcons finally get to get back on the board. <laughs> uh, like, like you were doing with Denzel, mine is, my seventh-round pick is going to be a riskier pick. And Falcons fans, if you're wondering why – I haven't addressed the receiver position. Here's why. It needs to be Demarcus Robinson. Uh, he's a first-round talent. He's a top-40 talent, outstanding receiver, the best route runner in this class. Um, probably, if not the number two, him and Michael Thomas would kind of have a good battle out for the number two overall receiver in this class. Uh, he is behind Treadwell overall, but he's big enough. He's six one, about 205, about 210. Not going to be the fastest, probably run 4-5, maybe 4-5-2. Um, best route run in this class, though, like I said. Catches very well uh, with his hands, not with his body, but he can adjust. Um, just an all-around great receiver who, by the way, didn't have a receiver's coach for two of his three years at Florida. 
So the fact that he's good wow. polished is unbelievable. And all the stories on him are that it's almost like Tyron Matthew. Loves football, loves being on the field, just pothead. And uh, couldn't stay out of the doghouse. So if you can grab a talent like this in the seventh round, you have to. It's a bona fide starter. You've got your number two across from Julio for 10 years. I mean, there's really yeah. no downside to taking that pick. In seventh round, it's not a guaranteed contract to begin with. Um, right. You tell him he plays his way right, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just got to keep him out of the slots because, you know, you can find the reaper down there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm with you. Uh, I think we're on the same wavelength because I haven't really addressed the wide receiver position yet. Um, interesting. This guy, uh, Leontay Carew, has, was good. Because he just couldn't mm-hmm. stay on the field. And he has some, you know, some mental issues as well. And uh, I also He's going like to go in the Davis third, though, probably. Sorry to what break that to you, but he had, a, he had a really good senior bowl week. He's probably going to ah, go okay. in the third or fourth round. Okay. Well, then they didn't. The wild <laughs> I was reading wasn't really re-upping. But I remember him from, you know, Big Ten play. You know, when he actually got on the field and when his ankle wasn't busted up, he was really good. He, when they, he was giving mm-hmm. quarterbacks fits. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to – yeah, they're going to have to address the wide receiver position. Uh, but I think they're going to do it in the later rounds. Because, like I said, I don't see the Bengals investing a top three or four pick in a wide receiver position, when you know that guy's coming in, he's only going to be the third guy. And if you re-sign uh, Sanu, he's probably coming in as the fourth guy. So um, they're going to probably, you know, probably take some money there, I think, on that piece and, and, and try to, I guess, get more balance with the run game, which I would, I'm, I'm all for. So I would agree. There it is. Me being me. Well, me being me, I've, of course, gone a little deeper and thrown some undrafted go free agents. I don't know if you have any out there or not. I don't, I don't know go for it. I don't that deep into it. Um, Duke Williams. If you don't take DeMarcus Robinson, okay. I would definitely take flyer on Duke Williams, big physical receiver. Not as talented as DeMarcus. Uh, even with his head on straight before the season started, he got kicked off. Um, he was a little overvalued. He wasn't really considered a first-round because he doesn't really catch the ball naturally. Uh, he's just a physical after-the-catch beast. Uh, Brian Poole, the cornerback from Florida, um, he may have played his way into a draft spot, though, with um, – was that the East the Shrine game where he took a 96-yard pick six? Be a very good slot corner. Akil Blunt, though, linebacker out of Florida A&M. Uh, really, hey, hey, hey. really, really underrated. Uh, he is he's very, very talented. Quick enough to go sideline to sideline and thump in the middle. Uh, Greg Pike, he went from being a potential second-round pick to being undrafted now, uh, guard out of Georgia. Uh, good zone fit. Great run blocker, uh, and then zone scheming kind of hides some of his pass blocking deficiencies. He was just never set to go against the big maulers at Bama. I think the number one, though, got to be Anthony Fabiano. He's the center from Harvard. Um, he could be this class, Ali Marpet. And the reason he's undraft, he's going to be undrafted more than likely is because he's not quick enough to be a center. Uh, you'd have to, or he's not strong enough to be a guard. I'm sorry, he's listed as a guard. But if you move him to center, which the Falcons would need to do anyway because you got to get person out of there, uh, he would be right. a standout center because of his athleticism. He is an extremely fast and quick guard. He's just not quite built to handle interior rushers. But if you move him to the center position, he's from Harvard, an extremely smart kid. would be right. a steal, absolute steal. I was going to say, he's got that Harvard brain. That's what you need uh, from your center because they're going to do all the line calls and make all the adjustments. 
So yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, but will will they do that? Let's 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 see. You know, we actually got through that in, in a decent amount of time, uh, probably because uh, Atlanta doesn't have yeah. two picks in the fifth and sixth round. So, um, say what? So I'm proud of us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and see, I know you were worried about me, like uh, uh, this guy here. But see, I wasn't here digging and obsessing about it because that's just <laughs> how I am. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, real quickly, because um, we haven't really got a chance to talk uh, much hot stove here lately. Um, I'm going to say I am trying to figure out who Detroit was bidding against for Justin Upton. Because I if, – if, if New York – yeah, if New York can sign Cespedes to that deal after the fact, why would you need to give him that many years and that, that kind of money? I, I I don't get that. The Justin Upton thing, it is the the temptation of the potential. He's still young enough to put it all together. Uh, and if he has a consistent year, you're looking at a guy that's a 30-25 guy with 120-plus RBIs. Um, the only problem is, and then the American League, you can kind of hide his limitations. You can put him at DH every once in a while and kind of take him out of the field sometimes, move him to left field where he needs to be. Because he's not, he's not a good fielder. He's got a strong arm. It's not accurate. Good routes to the ball. rounds off his routes. And just it's kind of ugly out there. But it's at the dish, man. And – Home runs and RBIs is what gets you paid nowadays. Yeah, but they also are like seven of their eight batters are like all right-handed, I believe. So they out they, yep. they bid against themselves, and then they've got a right-handed heavy lineup. I mean, I don't I don't think I would just skip the rotation of the left-hander if I was playing them in a three-game set and just throw all righties at them. <laughs> I mean, why why would you not? That I, I I didn't get that. I mean, I don't know if they just felt like they needed to make a splash. Um, but I think the Mets, that's a very smart sign of them. He gets the money on a short-term contract with a chance to opt out to, to revisit the market uh, because they were looking like you know, to have gone to the World Series and then basically signed their hands and done nothing. That had to be really, you know, frustrating for Mets fans. And I know one, and I know he that's was extremely frustrated. He do anything he wanted. He had, like, 17 offers. Yeah, um, and I, I want to say that they said Baltimore also had also offered him after they had signed Davis. I was like, wow, that, they were really yeah. going for broke. Um, That's why they traded uh, Gerardo Parra. Yeah, but, I, I mean, but, you know, everybody's crying broke nowadays. So when I heard that they were also gave him an offer after they gave Davis that, that contract, I was I was surprised. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, spend the money. You know, don't go buy a team. Don't get me started. And then claim broke. Then sell your team. You know, you got to spend some money to – to make some money, right, to, to have a winning product. It, you know, you can't do that Houston model forever because in a minute they're, they're going to have to pay that bill on all those young players, and then they're going to have to go right back through the cycle, the same way with Tampa. Um, so I, I just don't get that. I guess I've gone to my rant. So, <laughs> Really, the only thing going on, Atlanta's kind of made some, some noise right now. Is, um, they are a team. They're scheduling a private workout with uh, this Cuban kid they call Lazarito. Yeah. And uh, I forget his full name. I'm sorry. Uh, 16-year-old outfielder. Although he's expected to get 15 to 20 million, so I'm not quite sure if the Braves are really going to be in on it for that price. Apparently, there's yeah. six other interested teams, but the Braves have apparently shown the most interest. They've already got a private workout scheduled for him in the first couple in the next couple weeks. So th- that's a that's a cool sign to see from the Braves. You know, my teams in the last oh six seven years or so have not been in the market of spending any money. But then again, yeah, with the penalty being nothing for breaking the, right. the international laws, you're going to see 
the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox just throw $60 million at this kid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if they said the Braves were trying to get on Cespedes, I believe they were just trying to get on him so they could trade him. That was his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have anything for Cincinnati because at this point they just have a lot of young pitching. Um, and Brandon Phillips is, is blocking the progression. Uh, I forget the guy's name. They got to believe in the Frazier deal. They want to play a second. Uh, but since Brandon's blocked both the trades to Arizona and Washington, you know, they they pretty much have to play him. Uh, you know, if they bench him, he's going to become a, a clubhouse malcontent. So I'm, I'm not really excited. Uh, it just lets you know how bad it is. That, uh, they, you know, they try to go get Arroyo to be a mentor for all these young guys. He, instead of coming to Cincinnati on a major league contract, he decided to sign for Washington for a minor league contract with a shot to make the rotation in spring training. That lets you know how bad it is. You won't come here on a major league contract, but you'll sign a minor league contract for another team. That lets you know this is your 2016 Cincinnati Reds. Um, good luck filling that stadium up. Uh, <laughs> let's those kids yeah, get big red machine is done. And yeah, there for for a while. So I'll tell you, I'm gonna take a water skin or you know cricket. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, for, I'm looking at the Braves being number three or four in this division. Uh, I I doubt that they're ahead of the Nationals this year. Mets look like they're gonna repeat it. It's gonna be us and the Phillies again fighting in the basement. And then maybe if Miami does random fire sale again and actually trades Jose Fernandez, maybe we can get ahead of them. Yeah, well, you know, we're in that ultra-competitive in El Central, so, you know, it's just us and the yeah, Brewers hanging out at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's a fight for last of the Brewers, and it depends because the Brewers might end up selling everybody. Uh, Luke Roy's already said he wants out. Uh, I think he's going to be on his way out soon. So, yeah, good times here in the summertime <laughs> of 2016. <laughs> Woo, fun baseball as, year. I, I know, right? I know. As always, bro, great show. Always give me good topics and stats. I'm proud of us for getting through that draft. Uh, we'll probably not do it again every week, so we'll let some movement happen, so we'll have some actual uh, differences here. But, you know, we'll talk about it and figure out when we'll put in the show and sprinkle in here because, um, you know, NBA basketball is the worst and everybody else. So, you know, you can only spend so much time talking about that. Um, Maybe next week we can throw in some free agents that we'd like to see signed. There you go. Uh, I'm, that's a good idea. I think we should do that. Have a good day and a good week, brother. I'm sure we'll be in contact. Um, uh, throughout, especially with the Super Bowl here happening and any of the other craziness that happens in, in the world. Of course. In By the way, you what's your scores? Uh, 24-17 Carolina. Really? All right. I'm going to go 24-10, actually. Ooh. So not not too far okay. off. I just – I don't think that. I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball in Carolina. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, I I, I think they may – the sheriff will have a, a trick up his sleeve, I think uh, – I love seeing winning, but like we said, I don't. I, I don't really think it's going to happen. Um, in case you guys don't know, we 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 get on random text messages. It'll start on one thing, and it'll go into the draft or, or something <laughs> else. So we'll we'll bring those into the show next week. For sure, well. without a show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have a good one, bro. I'm trying to tune in and uh, catch you guys on the on the, on the front row, and everybody else, you guys tune in and catch them on the front row, and uh, we'll talk next week. Have a good one, bro. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. Good night, guys. Be safe.